0: We can go to to the book of John here, if you will. And even if it's for a few moments, even if if it's for a few moments, we're going to spend it reading the word. Spend a few moments reading the word. And we'll read John chapter 10. And even if it's for a few moments of reflecting, let's do it. And verse one, John chapter 10, verse one, as we get into it, we're going to prayerfully ask those three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning people? God, what are you revealing concerning me? Those are the questions that we're going to ask as we get into the word today. Dearly Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for providing us, Lord, a means by which we can connect. Folks from all over, Lord God, connecting live. Folks who will connect through the podcast. Folks who will connect, um, Lord, through Patreon. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you've given us a means to continue to bring your message out. And so as we join together, connecting with one another, Lord, in different places, in different time zones, Father, I pray that you would bless this moment. Lord, speak to us in this moment. Lord, reveal to us who you are in this moment. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 10, verse 1, and it says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and I will go in and out and find pasture. A thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. And no one takes it from me, but I lay lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again this command I have received from my father. Therefore, there was division again again amongst the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, there are are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name. They bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands. I and my father are one. Then <laughs> the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them many Good works I have shown you from my father. From which of those works do you stone me? And the Jews answered him saying, For good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you being a man make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, You are gods. If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, And the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I am the son of God. If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him therefore they sought again to seize him but he escaped out of their hand and he went away again before the jordan to a place where john was baptizing at first and there he stayed then many came to him and said john performed no sign but all the things that john spoke about this man were true and many believed in him there Who? We who we this um, and we're going to stop right here. Um, This portion of scripture should give you a peek into <clears throat> Jesus and the boldness of his assertion of who he was. I know people, you know, again, If you guys remember, we were having these conversations um, in our Bible study, the previous Bible study, and a little bit in the last Bible study, but not the previous one, but the the one before the last one. And also the last Bible study, we were talking about the divinity of Jesus, Jesus being God. What did it mean for Jesus to be the son of God? And, and, And how is the son of God, God? And of course, many who have, uh, or there are so many d- different, you know, theological positions. Some of which are heretical. One of which is that Jesus wasn't God, and that the Son of God somehow is less than God. Well, which isn't, which doesn't make sense because, as scriptures tell us, that he didn't consider robbery to be equal with God, and so somehow he is equal with God. If he's equal with God, then he must be God. So, what does that mean? Unless it doesn't mean for him to be son of God. So if you haven't, go check out the Bible study. We were just chopping it up. But if you if there's anything you should get from this, is that this uh, chapter that we just read here uh, further supports, undergirds everything that we talked about in this Bible study. Jesus' words are bold. Jesus' words are strong. Jesus is speaking with a boldness asserting to those who are questioning his divinity. And Jesus is telling them straight up, according to John's account, I'm God. And everything they're hearing that Jesus is saying, they're hearing him say that he's God to the point where they want to stone the man. like They want the man dead because of the bold statement that he is God. So if the question is, is Jesus God? Well, the Jesus, Jesus says he's God. So either Jesus is a liar or he is a prophet. He can't be both. Um, others have asked and said, well, you know, Jesus, you know, he was a, you know, he was a good man. He was a prophet, but he wasn't God. That's not possible. He cannot be a good person and he cannot be a prophet and not be god simply because of the things that you hear that he says that he is he is either a false prophet or he's god <laughs> he can't be either okay he can't be either and yes in the authority that Jesus speaks with he's he's telling you who he is he's telling you yo i am god and so, yes, either he's a false prophet or he's God. But there's some peculiar things in here. Some things I want to just point out real quick. And again, I'm probably just going to ruffle up some feathers here. Um, and sometimes I do because, you know, that's what I do. By the way, guys, there is a little bit of damage to the door. I'm just going to just throw that out there. It's a little bit of damage to the door. Um. <clears throat> um anyway, I'm over it. I'm over it, y'all. <laughs> but I, I say all that because, again, the there two things we hear, we, we we hear the story or we, we hear Jesus and his encounter with uh, those who with his disciples and also those who are, are in the periphery who are listening to his teaching and. And Jesus first starts off teaching that he is the true shepherd. Then he teaches that he is the good shepherd. And I want to talk a little bit about that because it's important for us to know who he is. The Lord is my shepherd. So what does that even mean? Reminding us of Psalm 23. The Lord is, my shepherd, I shall not want. What does a good shepherd do? He makes us lie down in green pastures. He he leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us to the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. This is the good shepherd now. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The good shepherd does this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The good shepherd does this. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. How does that happen? Through the good shepherd. And I will dwell in the house that is in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Only the good shepherd does that. Jesus is the good shepherd. Okay. He is the good shepherd. And he's and he's, and he's affirming this truth, proclaiming it to his disciples to say to them, I am the shepherd that David was talking about in Psalm 23. I am the shepherd that is your provider, Jehovah Jireh. I am the shepherd who is your righteousness, Jehovah Tzidkenu. I am the shepherd who gives you peace in the midst of the storm, Jehovah Shalom. I am the shepherd who provides for every aspect and dimension of your life, physically, spiritually. I am, I'm everything. And if there's anything you know about a sheep is sheep barely can survive without a shepherd. So I am the one who sustains you. I'm the one who keeps you and I am the good shepherd. And here's the thing. If I am your shepherd and you are my sheep, then you will hear my voice. You'll know my voice. When I speak, you'll know it's me because I am your shepherd. And then he speaks and says what the shepherd does. He tells him what the shepherd does. The shepherd protects his sheep gives his life for his sheep. The shepherd protects the sheep from the wolves. This shepherd, this good shepherd, is going to lay down his life for his sheep. And this shepherd knows his sheep. Knows his sheep. And I love that you're showing that Asia because Man, if you know anything about sheep, this should be a diss. All we like sheep have gone astray. He says, all of us are like sheep. That's in Isaiah chapter 53. We're all like sheep. <laughs> if you're sheep, just put a hands up, emoji. I'm sheep. <laughs> sheep are very smart. Uh sheep. They, they mess it up all the time. Uh, sheep can't survive on their own. Sheep, we're, we're all like sheep. All of us are like sheep. And we've all gone astray. But what does it say in Isaiah 53? But the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. This shepherd... Died for his sheep and this is what Jesus is saying he's saying a hireling won't die for his sheep but the shepherd the good shepherd he'll die for his sheep his rod and his staff will comfort you comforted by the rod comforted by the staff comforted by punishment Ooh, when you are when you are his sheep you even receive his rebuke with grace Because you know it's not out of judgment, but it's out of grace. It's out of his love. It's out of his mercy. This is why those who hate correction, you have to ask, are you truly sheep? Like, are you his sheep? Because if you hate correction, then maybe you're not his sheep. If if you're not seeking to be sanctified, To be disciplined for his rod and his staff to guide you toward the path of righteousness, toward the greener pastures. Are you really his sheep? I'm going to ruffle some feathers for a second, though. I know we spent some time on the shepherd thing. But man, oh man, once he talked about this whole shepherd thing, they all got real, real upset. They're saying this man's got a demon in him that somehow they have to hear his voice. And then Jesus says, I and my father are one. I and my father are one. We're the same. We are one. We are one. And then Jesus, defends himself quoting one of the most problematic psalms in the Bible. I'll do a little little Bible study with y'all. Because then you're going to understand at least from a broader perspective who God is, who Jesus is, and the work that Jesus does to restore humanity for his glory. And so I'm going to do a little teaching and I usually leave this for Bible study, but I feel like I'm just going to throw it in I'm going to slide it in. And maybe later on down the line, we'll do some Bible study on this. But I just want to throw something at you here real quick, because this is where things get feathers, get ruffled. OK, feathers get a little ruffled. Jesus. When they they pick up the stones again, when he says, I and my father are one and they're ready now. Right. That's what verse 31 says. And the Jews took up stones again to stone him. They're like, all right, that's it. We're done with this guy. This guy got to go. And Jesus, cliff note, Jesus says, wait, hold on. You saw all the good works I did. Are you stoning me for that? They say, no, we're not stoning you for the good works that you do or that you did. We're stoning you for blasphemy. For declaring yourself to be God, because what blasphemy is, is declaring something that is God, something to be God that is not God. And they're saying he's committing blasphemy. And then Jesus's response is to quote one of the most problematic portions of scripture. (laughs) It's the portion of scripture that a lot of people ignore. It's the portion of scripture that a lot of Christians ignore. It's a portion of scripture that we kind of just skim over. And yet Jesus quotes it. And even then, we still skim over it because it seems problematic to us we have a way of just filtering things out have you ever noticed that like we have a way of reading text and then one if it's problematic we just pass by it we just keep moving <laughs> we just read it like that ah, whoa that's weird and then we just keep going No, no no dig in there for a second what is jesus actually saying jesus in verse 34 answers them and says is it not written in your law I said, you are God's. Let me pause there for a second. So this right here affirms to us a little Bible study again. If you want to take a quick note. This affirms to us that even the book of Psalms was considered part of the law. I know some that Jesus considered the book of Psalms as part of the law because he's quoting Psalms here. And he says, is it not written in your law? At least they that they would affirm that is the law he says isn't that written in your law i said you are gods i said you are gods and he said and if he called them gods to whom the word of god came and he said and scripture cannot be broken do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world you are blaspheming Because I said, I am the son of God. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is not again, Bible study another time. We don't have enough time to break this down, but he's quoting a problematic Psalm, a theologically problematic Psalm. He's quoting Psalm chapter 82. Thank you, Juliet. There you go. He's quoting Psalm chapter 82. If you can go there for a second, <clears throat> because we got to talk about this Jesus thing. In Psalm chapter 82, verse one starts off by saying, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. Again, seems very problematic. Small Psalm, very short Psalm, but a lot of problematic things are said here. For those who have this really closed perception or perspective of God. In verse 6, this is what Jesus quotes I said, You are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. So he says, I said, You are gods. Who is he talking to here? And then he says in verse 7, But you shall die like men. So they're not men but he says they're gods and fall like one of the princes arise oh God judge the earth for you shall inherit all the nations Jesus is teaching this is a teachable moment for Jesus <clears throat> and while I am not given the liberality to break all this down But Jesus is pointing to who God is and why he can affirm himself as the son of God. And by affirming who he is as the son of God, he then affirms to them the work that he is doing to redeem and to restore humanity. When he says you are God's, And all of you are children of the most high. He's saying they come from God. The son of God literally means just to come from God. And so they come from, what does that even mean for them to come from God? And what does it mean that they are gods? The word gods there is the word Elohim. And often the view is, is that um, when, when when the scriptures say at the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the word there is actually Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form of void, and darkness came upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God uh, hovered over the waters, and God said it there be light. So you see that in Genesis chapter 1, that Elohim. And so people go, oh, Elohim, because Elohim is actually a plural form of El. El means God. Elohim is plural for God, so it's technically God's. And so some will say, well, then therefore it's the father and the son, the Holy Spirit, because the Elohim is the father, son and Holy Spirit. That is not the Hebrew. That is not how the Hebrews saw this. This is how we in our westernized Christianity try to impose our view of who God is on the text rather than drawing from the text what the text actually says. Right. And so this is where we mess up on our Trinitarian doctrine, because we kick off our Trinitarian doctrine with. Uh, uh with Genesis chapter one, we go, no, no, no. While we see a Trinitarian work happening in Genesis chapter one, that word Elohim, right? And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters and God said, Let there be light. So we see uh we see this 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 the the, the, the three persons here at work in creation because you have the creator in the beginning, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form of void. And God said, so that's the word of God, right? The spoken word of God, God said, which is the son of God, let there be light. But the spirit of God hovered over the water. So we see the spirit of God. So we see father, son, Holy Spirit, boom, right there. A work of the Trinity, even in creation, which is why again, in John chapter one, verse one, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, In the beginning, meaning in the beginning of creation, and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And so we see that, of course, everything was made through him because he is the word of God. And when the word of God was spoken, all things were brought forth. The word of God brought to reality all things that were created. But Elohim in the beginning, Elohim is the plural for God. And Elohim is not speaking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Simply, it's saying in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And then later on, what do say? he says is let us make man in our image. And many believe that. Well, again, the doctrines that will tell you that. Well, then that really affirms to the father, <clears throat> the son and the Holy Spirit talking amongst one another and deciding right there to make man in their image. Wrong. That is not what he's saying, because the Elohim. And again, we can talk about this later, but the Elohim referred to all the beings that represent and extend from God in the realm that we do not see. And among the Elohim is Elohim God among the Elohim is Elohim, which is God. And this is why even if you read the book of Psalms, and you read Psalms 82, I'm going to go back there for a second, and you go back to Psalms 82, notice what he says in that text. He says, Elohim, that is God, stands in the congregation, that is the council of the gods, of the mighty, and he judges among the gods. So he stands above the Elohim. There is an Elohim, who stands above the Elohim and that Elohim is who we know as God. Yahweh, the creator of heaven and earth. And God extends his authority in the realm of the spirit. And God extends his authority to us here on earth. How do we know that? Because in Genesis chapter one, he says, let us make man in our image. How are we made in the image of God? We are made in the image of God because we image God. How do we image God? By extending God's authority on the earth. This is why he said be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth, subdue it. Fill the earth and subdue it. God extends himself on earth through humanity. And yet we know how it ends, is that in, in, in the creation story, we know how the creation story ends. It ends with mankind choosing not God's agenda, but his agenda. And man starts doing things his own way. And instead of the kingdom of God, we see now the kingdom of Satan at work. The kingdom of Satan is rooted in me, myself and I. And so when Jesus says to them, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came. Do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. Ooh, that's a Bible study for another day. But we begin to see the work of Of Christ, what Jesus actually came to do. Jesus is restoring humanity's place on earth. Jesus is restoring humanity's place with God. And Jesus. They have a problem with his doctrine. (laughs) They have a problem with his affirming that he is the son of God. Because how is it possible for God to extend himself in flesh? And yet Jesus is saying, God extended himself through us. He gave us his spirit. And yet we have lost access to that and it's through Jesus we can gain access back into that. Who the Elohim are in the realm of the spirit is who we are as humans on earth. And yet Jesus is saying, I'm giving you access back to God. So you see the works that I do But you don't see it. You don't see what I'm actually accomplishing. I'm giving you a glimpse of heaven on earth. I'm I'm giving you a peek into heaven on earth. I'm showing you what the world will look like when God tabernacles with all of humanity. I'm just bringing the tabernacle with me everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, you're seeing a glimpse of, of heaven. I am the son of God, God in flesh, fully God present among you. And I'm giving you a glimpse of God fully manifest on earth. And he is the image of the invisible God. I am the visible God. I am the image. Hold on a second. Weren't we supposed to be images of God? And he's saying, I am the image. And through me, we will all become the imagers of God again. What did you think God came to do? He came to give you a bootleg justice. You know, he came to give you Israel back. Is that what you thought? You thought he was just gonna give you Jerusalem and then you're gonna rule it in your own way apart from God? No, God is coming to fully manifest himself on earth. Christ is going to come and he's gonna sit on the throne. He's gonna establish his government and all nations through Jerusalem will flourish. Heaven will come to earth. He says, if I do not do the works of my father. Do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works. <laughs> if you don't want to believe me, believe the works. That you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. I'm one with the father and yet you're missing it. This is how, this is what happens when legalism gets in the way of Jesus. This is what happens when we're so about things about Jesus, but not knowing Jesus. And Jesus is like, you see my works. And you don't believe, but just see my works and believe. See what I'm doing and believe. Do you not see the miracles that are happening? These are all signs of a heaven. That's coming to earth. Let's not. And, and this is just my closing thought. Let's not see the works of God. As just good things that God does. Like, let's not see the the million miracles that are happening every day and they continue to happen and God continues to move miraculously and God continues to do more and more and more. Let's not look at those little miracles as just, oh, these are just good things that happen in the moment, but let's look at them as signs of what is happening or what will happen in eternity. Let's not look at these little moments as just good for now. Let's look at these moments as pointing to an eternal reality. Let's not look at the the little things that God does. Even when we pray and, and we see people who are being restored and we see people that are being healed and God giving people breakthrough and we see all we see all of this happening. Let's not look at it as, oh, this was just good for now. No, this is a foreshadow of what will happen in eternity. Let's not miss it. Let's not miss what God is doing now because what he's doing now is pointing to what he is accomplishing in eternity. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Believe in him, not just his works for now, but believe in the greater work that he is restoring mankind's place and that he is bringing his kingdom on earth and his kingdom will come and Jesus will sit on the throne and there will be no weeping. There will be no crying. There will be no death. There will be no suffering. Family, that day is coming. I know that sounds crazy. We never get there. That day is coming. That day is coming when there will be no hate. The day is coming when our glorified bodies will all be together and we will get to fellowship in eternity. That day is coming when we will get to be with Jesus forever. That day is coming when he sits on the throne and all kingdoms will flourish through him. That day is coming. Let the little things he does today point to the point to the future and eternity. Let's not miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God bless you, family. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, for the privilege that you've given us today, Lord, to see the good work that you do. oh Lord, you're doing a good work. And Lord, even the good works that you do, let us not see it for the moment. Let us see it with eternity in mind. Let us not live in the moment, but Lord, teach us to live with eternity in mind. Father, even if we suffer in the moment, Father, let us be encouraged that that is not our eternity. Let us be reminded that you are making all things new. And that our hope is in you. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Love y'all. See you guys on Sunday. We'll be chopping it up. Doing a little Bible study. and, And I look forward to Continuing the conversation with you guys on how we read the Bible. God bless you guys. See you guys on Sunday.